This is an ABC podcast. This is a story about the former White House counsel Don McGahn and a little thing called obstruction of justice. But before I talk about Don, I want you to meet John Dean. I call myself, as we were called in prison, a rat when you were cooperating with the government, uh, a snitch. John Dean used to have the same job as Don McGahn, top lawyer for the office of the president. Don McGahn's president was Trump. John Dean's president was Nixon. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. John Dean was heavily involved in covering up the Watergate burglary. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Nixon wanted John Dean to write a report denying there had been any cover-up. Dean knew that was a lie. And after speaking to his wife, Maureen... She's not only my wife, my lover, she's also my best friend. Dean decided not to help Nixon obstruct justice. Instead, he turned on the president and testified against him. There is no doubt that uh, at uh, one stage I realised that the best course for me to protect myself was to tell the truth. Dean ended up serving time for obstruction of justice. The reason I'm telling you the story of John Dean is because right now it's playing out again. But this time, it's the story of Don McGahn. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is Russia If You're Listening, a podcast that examines the findings and the fallout from the Mueller report. Today, White House counsel Don McGahn, a hardline conservative and Trump devotee hated by many. He's a cancer who has done much to undermine anti-corruption mechanisms in this country. Who found himself forced to make a choice of historic proportions, stay loyal to the boss and potentially aid him in committing a crime, or do the right thing. You'll hear how McGahn's story has incredible similarities to the most famous case of obstruction of justice in American history. I did not commit the crime of obstruction of justice. Nixon did, but did Trump? That's today on Russia If You're Listening. bar in Maryland is exactly like the tens of thousands of similar bars across America. Cheeseburger! Four dudes on a small stage, band name on a banner at the back. This is the song we're stealing back from the plea. We fucked it up. There's the singer. Just a small town girl! Come on! The bassist, the drummer, they're all fine, but it's the lead guitarist that's the real highlight. He's wearing a hat pulled down so you can barely see his face, but he is absolutely shredding that axe. In fact, according to his former band's bio, he's one of the premier guitarists of the Mid-Atlantic region. This guy had no intention of stopping believing. His career was going great. And if you didn't know to look closely, you'd never realise that that legend of the six-string was a softly spoken conservative election lawyer named Don McGahn. His full-time job back then was the boss of the Federal Election Commission, or FEC. That's the agency that makes sure political campaigns follow the law. And Don McGahn is not remembered fondly. At the FEC, McGahn came in and he was the guy who tried to break all the China. Don was running the FEC when the US Supreme Court found in favour of a group called Citizens United. 
This is the corporations have the same rights as people decision, and it effectively means corporations can spend as much on political ads as they like. Anyway, Commissioner McGann welcomed it. And hopefully now Citizens United will keep the government away from areas that really have always been protected by the First Amendment. McGann's enthusiastic support didn't sit well with his former FEC colleague, Democratic Commissioner Ellen Weintraub. He came in and um, tried to obstruct investigations, obstruct enforcement of the rules, and um, made it very difficult to enforce the laws that are supposed to protect against conflict of interest. She says he deliberately obstructed attempts to enforce the law. He didn't like the campaign finance laws and didn't think people ought to have to comply with them. McGann was a federal official uninterested in enforcing federal laws and happy to let people get away with stuff. He was also a partisan Republican. I'm a lifelong Republican and work for Republicans, so, you know, I tend to believe in in the Republican stuff. As a Republican who believed in Republican stuff, he had a choice to make in 2015. Which presidential candidate to support? And he chose Donald Trump. Don McGahn was hired as Trump's campaign lawyer at the very beginning. Don, you were one of the first in Washington to support and work for... Donald Trump, and now you're here and he's the actual nominee when it was a field of 17. What does it feel like for this moment? That hasn't really hit me yet. I first met Mr. Trump late 2014 and been with him since the beginning of this. And it wasn't long before his knowledge of election law came in handy. McGahn successfully fought off a move by Republican Party elders to keep Trump off the ballot in the crucial New Hampshire primary. When Trump won that vote, he was so grateful to McGahn that he brought him up on stage for the victory speech. I love you all. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. When Trump became president, McGahn's life changed. His band played their last gig and he got a new gig as White House counsel. For most lawyers, this is a dream job and there were fun parts of it. I was able to give private tours to different people I've known over the years, some people I knew from high school, you know, and it's it's kind of a cool thing. Like, you, you know, I'm, I kind of made something of myself. I can take you in the Oval Office. Rock stars, celebrities, people like that. But aside from being able to show off to your old friends from the frat, this job was a nightmare. See, the job of White House counsel is complicated. And I'll let Don McGahn himself explain why. So what does the counsel to the president do? Well, I think it's easier to state it in the negative up front. What he does not do, he doesn't represent the president in the president's personal capacity. So you're not there to represent Donald Trump. You're there to represent the presidency. I like to say I represent the pictures on the wall. Um, I represent represented the, the powers of the presidency, not the man, but the office. That's fine, as long as you have a good relationship with the president. But if you ever start to suspect that he's breaking the law, things start to get interesting. Because your job isn't actually to do what the president wants. It's to stop him from doing anything illegal. And in the Trump White House, that can be tricky. In fact, thanks to the Mueller report, we now know Don McGahn was witness to four potential obstruction of justice crimes committed by Donald Trump. The first potential obstruction of justice was to do with the firing of Trump's national security adviser, Mike Flynn. The FBI were investigating Flynn for lying to them about his contacts with the Russian ambassador. Trump wanted to get the FBI off Flynn's back. McGahn told Trump that was a bad idea and he shouldn't intervene. So what did Trump do? He said he hopes I can let it go. And when he said that, you thought? 
He's asking me to drop a criminal investigation of his now former national security advisor. Trump ignored McGahn, got involved, and tried to get the FBI to back off. And Mueller now says that's possibly criminal obstruction of justice. But Trump was just getting started, so McGahn's job continued to get more difficult. The second potential obstruction of justice was to do with Trump's former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Donald Trump was worried the FBI investigation could snowball into something much, much bigger. He wanted to make sure that his Attorney General Jeff Sessions stayed in control of it. Alas, it turned out that Sessions had met up with the Russian ambassador and sort of forgot about it under oath. And so when Sessions said that he was considering stepping aside, Trump sent McGahn to stop him. I'm going to recuse myself. Oh, sorry, that's Trump. McGahn didn't do it and said Trump had to let Jeff Sessions go. I have recused myself. Trump was furious at McGahn. He screamed and shouted. He said he wished he could have had his long-dead mob-connected lawyer Roy Cohn back instead of McGahn. Their relationship was fraying, but it was about to get a million times worse. There is breaking news right now. The Washington Post reporting special counsel Robert Mueller is investigating President Trump for possible obstruction of justice. The third potential obstruction of justice that Don McGahn witnessed happened once Trump found out he was being investigated for obstructing justice. That's because when Donald Trump found out, he did all he could to try and stop Robert Mueller. Trump tried to claim that Mueller had a conflict of interest because the two had been involved in a small dispute over a refund for a golf course fee six years earlier. No one was really buying that, though. So Trump decided to take things up a notch. Is President Trump prepared to let the special counsel pursue his investigation? Well, I think he's considering... Um, perhaps terminating uh, the special counsel. I think he's, he's weighing that option. Trump decided to try and sack Robert Mueller only a month after he was appointed. And this is how he tried to do it. On a Saturday afternoon, while at the presidential retreat, Camp David, Trump picked up the phone. He dialed the home number of his White House counsel, Don McGahn. Don McGahn. As McGahn remembers it, Trump said he wanted Mueller gone. McGahn had no intention of doing what the president asked, and so Trump called McGahn again. This time he was even more explicit. First, he asked McGahn why he hadn't done it yet. You know why I'm calling? Have you done it? Mr. President? Then Trump said, Mueller has to go. Mueller has to go. He told McGahn to call him back when it was done. McGahn did what he would consider the right thing. He called his lawyer. Then he drove to the White House to pack up his things. He wrote a resignation letter. When his colleagues asked why he was resigning, he told them it was because Trump had asked him to do crazy shit. That's what he said. But his thoughts were far more complex. He was thinking about something that happened when he was only five years old, on a Saturday in 1973. I was considerably shaken, but I I said, Mr. President, I I don't feel that I have any choice. I I cannot do it. This is Attorney General Elliot Richardson talking about the moment he told Richard Nixon he couldn't follow his order to fire the Watergate special prosecutor. Elliot Richardson resigned. The next in line was William Ruckelshaus. He was told it was now his job 
to fire the special prosecutor. He finally mentioned, didn't you realize this was an order from your commander-in-chief? This was after several minutes of conversation, and I said, come on, Al, uh, what are you going to do, get a tank down here and blow me out of my office? I can't do this. Ruckel's house resigned. Nixon went to the third in line. Uh, so I got in Bork, the Solicitor General, a great constitutional lawyer. Robert Bork did Nixon's dirty work for him. That's a stunning development and nothing even remotely like it has happened in all of our history. That night became known as the Saturday Night Massacre, Nixon's botched attempt to cover up Watergate. And that night was one of the main events that led to the impeachment proceedings beginning against Nixon. It was an example of Nixon obstructing justice. As Don McGahn spoke to President Trump on the phone on a Saturday in 2017... The Saturday Night Massacre was the only thing he could think about. Don McGahn didn't want to repeat what happened in 1973. In the end, Don McGahn was convinced to stay on by two senior White House aides. But he also didn't fire Mueller. And from that moment, his relationship with Trump was broken. Seven months later, the New York Times found out about the almost Saturday Night Massacre. And Trump reached for a favourite phrase... Fake news, folks. Fake news. What's your message today? Typical New York Times fake stories. But Trump didn't just publicly deny the story. He also privately tried to get Don McGahn to take it back. And this is the fourth and final time McGahn potentially saw Trump obstruct justice. Trump wanted McGahn to lie and say there was no attempt to fire Mueller and he definitely hadn't threatened to quit. McGahn said no. That made Trump pretty angry. He told an aide that McGahn was a lying bastard who'd probably been the one who leaked the story to the media in the first place. And he said that if McGahn doesn't write a letter, then maybe I'll have to get rid of him. So for nearly two years, McGahn was there when Trump potentially obstructed justice four times. One, when Trump tried to influence the FBI director. So he hopes I can let it go. Two, when Trump tried to keep his attorney general in charge of the Russia investigation. Jeff Sessions recused himself which he shouldn't have done. Number three, when he tried to fire Robert Mueller, the guy investigating him for the first two things. Mr Mueller is highly conflicted. And four, when he asked the guy he told to fire Mueller to lie and say he didn't do that. My counsel came, Don McGahn, White House counsel. All four of these instances could be brought to a grand jury for them to consider as a criminal act. And there are seven more of them in the Mueller report. Don McGahn was Donald Trump's kind of guy. He was a partisan hack who had spent years dismantling federal election law and allowing the flood of corporate money to wash into politics. He had joined Trump's campaign early and guided him all the way to the White House. He designed the Muslim ban and pushed Trump's judicial appointments through the Senate. And he tried to protect Trump by warning him repeatedly to stop obstructing justice. What Trump wasn't expecting was that he would tell Mueller's team all about it. Breaking news involving the Russia investigation. ABC News confirming reports revealing White House counsel Don McGahn has now met extensively with Robert Mueller. But that's what he did. McGahn spoke to Mueller's team for dozens of hours. Volume two of the Mueller report is essentially narrated by McGahn's testimony and notes. McGahn sitting for at least three interviews with Mueller's team describing President Trump's rage against the Russia investigation. 
It shows a paranoid, furious president, wildly lurching between one scheme to undermine or remove Mueller to another. McGahn calls the president King Kong behind his back because of his unpredictable temper. It also shows how Trump and McGahn, once close allies, drifted apart. It shows how Trump eroded his relationship with McGahn until there was none left. Questions focusing on President Trump's possible obstruction of justice. How closely do McGahn's feelings about Trump mirror those of another lawyer whose relationship with the president eroded? My loyalty to Mr. Trump has cost me everything. My family's happiness, friendships, my law license, my company, my livelihood, my honor, my reputation, and soon my freedom. Michael Cohen testified to Congress in February about his destroyed relationship with his former boss. And I can only warn people, the more people that follow Mr. Trump, as I did blindly, are going to suffer the same consequences that I'm suffering. Don McGahn has been hesitant to criticize the president so far. I did my best for the president every day, and I think the president did, did, did by me great every day as well. Uh, so I think uh, between me and him, everything is... is uh, I did my job, he did his job. Next month, he will be asked by Congress under oath what he truly thinks of Donald Trump. Russia, if you're listening, is produced by Ruby Jones and Will Ockenden. Next, Oleg Deripaska, one of the richest and most powerful men in Russia. He once paid for Trump's former campaign chair, Paul Manafort's luxury lifestyle. But the two fell out over money. I'm, you know, tried to sue him, and my lawyers were looking for him almost two years. <laughs> Couldn't find them. Paul Manafort lied about his relationship with Deripaska to Robert Mueller, which is one of the reasons he's in jail. Paul Manafort's sitting in jail now. How do you feel about that? Do you feel this is poetic justice for you? It's not my game. I feel maybe sorry. He's old guy. Manafort is determined to take the truth about his contacts with Deripaska to his grave. And that's left a big, mysterious hole in the middle of the Mueller report. The story behind the last remaining collusion question is next. On Russia, if you're listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.